This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. So this morning, as Dixie shared, the lessons are flipped in your bulletin, and so we read the gospel lesson already, and our, our second lesson will actually come uh, from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And so this is chapter one, it's part of his uh, introduction to the letter, as his first words to the church, as he is uh, speaking to an early church uh, that is facing division, that is facing what it means to be pulled apart, to uh, seek identity in multiple places, and Paul's invitation and challenge to them to be drawn back together in purpose. And so this morning, uh, that's what we'll be hearing as Paul writes uh, this letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 10. I hear this word from Paul's letter. Paul writes, Now I appeal to you, uh, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be, be in agreement, and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there are quarrels among you, my brothers and sisters. Uh, what I mean is that each, each of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Has Christ been divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. Uh, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to proclaim the gospel, and not with eloquent wisdom, so that the cross of Christ might not be emptied of its power. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Uh, thanks be to God. Uh, one of our practices over this, uh, this new year as a church has actually been uh, to, be, to draw from the lectionary text, the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, each week as we're preaching. And part of our sermon series, even the idea of reclaiming, uh, how God starts uh, from, creates new without starting from scratch, is we're pointing back to some of our legacy, some of our history, and, and want to root ourselves in a tradition that expands beyond our church. And so we have been uh, using these texts that are being read in many churches this morning across the country and around the world. Uh, if you don't know the Revised Common Lectionary, it's a, a pattern of Scripture uh, that uh, really moves year over year. It's the three-year cycles, year A, year B, and year C, uh, where over the course of three years, the hope is uh, that we read about 70% of Scripture. And so it moves us through in a methodical, rhythmic way uh, that connects us uh, to Scripture. Our Scripture cards that you receive as part of our rhythm here uh, throughout this month, and really actually throughout the whole year, will be tied to that Revised Common Lectionary. And so you know if you're reading Scripture in the mornings, if that's part of your devotion, uh, you are reading that uh, with people, not just yourselves, but many people who use that as part of their, uh, their discipline and their rhythm. And what's been fascinating, as, as we've done and used this practice, is when I read these scriptures and prepare for these sermons, it has continually struck me how appropriate they are uh, for uh, our day in the life of the church. It doesn't take much for us to hear this passage from 1 Corinthians, which we did not select, but was selected many, many years ago, uh, as a, a very appropriate text for us today. As we as a church try to seek identity in, in who we are. What does it mean to be God's church? What does it mean to be Christ's followers? And what does it mean uh, in our context 
uh, to be a United Methodist Church in a global context. A few weeks ago, we shared that you know, there are even more proposals and other things coming to our general conference in May that, that we are all processing. And, and I have many hallway conversations with people about you know, what does this mean for us? What does it mean for the, the global United Methodist Church? And more importantly, what does it mean for Apex United Methodist Church? Uh, I've said to many folks, and I'm so thankful that uh, we're celebrating our 150th anniversary this year because I can remind people over and over again that you know, this church has been here for 150 years, <laughs> uh, long before there was a United Methodist Church, and uh, I believe it'll be here long after any denominational things work themselves out. But what's been interesting for me in this particular text is how it identifies those things that may divide us, those labels that could pull us apart, and calls us to a greater label, a greater purpose that might uh, draw us uh, together. Uh, just two weeks ago on a Friday, I had the opportunity to go watch a basketball game uh, with, uh, in this area. My daughter was actually uh, at Impact here Friday night. My son and and wife were in Atlanta for a soccer game, and so I slipped over and watched the Apex High School, uh, Apex Friendship, uh, varsity boys basketball game. Um, some of you were there. I saw some of you in different places that night, and it was interesting to watch. I was there with a neighbor of mine whose son uh, plays on the Apex Friendship uh, high school team. He's a starter for that basketball team. As I was sitting there, I was struck uh, by some just fascinating things that are true about a rivalry game in a town like Apex. Uh, first, you have to know about me. I actually played basketball at Apex High School. Uh, I was a Cougar. Go Cougars. Woohoo! Uh, and in that time, it's always hard for me to be in a place where Apex is playing and not be pulling for my alma mater. Like, I'm pulling for my, my high schools right there. I want to make sure they're winning. And yet that night, I was sitting on the Apex Friendship side because our neighbor's son plays for that team. And so I found myself uh, pulling for the Patriots. Uh, my son is now at Apex Friendship Middle School, so we now have a tie to that whole school system. And it was a real weird tension that I felt myself in that night watching this basketball game. Not only did I feel it in myself, but I looked over and to my right from where I sat was the student section. And if you've been to a local basketball game uh, recently, uh, you'll notice a lot of our students are now theming their games. And so the student sections are just having a lot of fun with different themes for each night as they bring energy and pep uh, to those, those games. And that night, uh, Apex Friendship was dressed all in white. And I looked over and I saw many of our students actively a part of the Apex Friendship student section, uh, cheering. And, and not, even, not only were they cheering as part of it, but two of our active youth here were actually leading the cheers. And I looked across the way to the Apex High School side. Uh, their theme from the night is they were trying to show everyone just how classy they were. And so they were dressed in their uh, best attire, many of them in prom attire with suits and bow ties and, and fancy dresses. Uh, and again, many of our youth were active as part of that, uh, and many of our youth were actually uh, actively leading that. And as we watched and heard and, and laughed, I watched this tension between youth in both of our places uh, cheering for their opposite sides. A few rows in front of me, I saw four rows of church members uh, all pulling for Apex Friendship, some of whom had uh, sons on the team. Directly across, I saw four other rows of church members <laughs> Uh, pulling for the Cougars, again, some of which had uh, sons on the team. In fact, for one family, uh, half the family was on one side, half the family was on the other as they cheered uh, for this game. And I was reminded how something as simple as a rivalry game in a small town like this that's actually not small anymore can show uh, how simple and quickly there are divisions among the church. Now, I don't think those are the divisions Paul was talking about. 
And yet it's easy to see how in sports we see those lines quickly be drawn. It can happen on a Friday night rivalry game in a town like Apex. Saturday during football season when uh, the Blue Devils or the Tar Heels or Wolfpack or Hokies and Wahoos or Pirates or Eagles or whichever Tigers team you pull for uh, might be playing. Or at a basketball game or whatever the scene may be where we uh, don our school colors and we stand beside each other and we cheer uh, for our team of choice. What's always been interesting to me about sports is sports is one of those places uh, where people will stand side by side and dress up in their team's colors and pull for the team in front of them with little regard to all the other labels that might divide them from the person beside them. Uh, Labels like political labels, like Democrat or Republican. Uh, Labels like religious labels, like uh, Catholic or Protestant or Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran or atheist or agnostic. Uh, Labels that might include country of origin or, or primary language, different things that might draw us apart, at least for that moment, Uh, for that game, uh, we put on our sports colors and we cheer for a common outcome. In this case, that outcome might be uh, the winning of a game. We want to see our team succeed. And it's that desire for a common outcome that draws us uh, together, that breaks down those barriers, at least for that hour, hour and a half, two hours that we are uh, together. As I hear Paul speaking and teaching the church in Corinth, I think what I see and hear once again is a call Uh, when labels divide us that might actually draw us together through common purpose. Earlier in this chapter, when Paul writes uh, to the church in Corinth, we'll back up to verse 2. He gives them a greeting, and it was a greeting of unity to a church that he knows feels pulled apart. And this is what Paul writes. This is 1 Corinthians 1, beginning with verse 2. He says, The church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, Together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. He will also strengthen you to the end so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul, speaking to a church that he knows is being pulled apart, that he knows feels tension, uh, Paul is speaking and saying there is something that links us together. No matter, no matter what space you're in, no matter what location you're in, he says there is a, a Lord Jesus Christ that, that unites us and connects us uh, to something larger than ourselves. In a world that's facing conflict, that feels like it's constantly at war with each other, uh, we are reminded through Paul that across this world there are brothers and sisters who also call Christ Lord. And those brothers and sisters are part of our family. We are called to be part of a greater family that is worldwide uh, beyond the boundaries that we often call home. 
Locally, in times when we feel more at tension and more at odds with each other, Paul is once again reminding us no matter what place or space we sit in, no matter what name we call ourselves, whatever label Apollos or Cephas in his time, others in our time, there is a Christ that is above all and in all and through all that unites us in common purpose. And Paul names that common purpose as the gospel of Christ. This is what he says in verse 10. Now I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose. Verse 18, he says this, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Paul says the thing that can help us get beyond labels, get beyond things that pull us apart, is a common purpose in Christ. And the way that the early church always did this, because this is not new, and when Alton and I were speaking this morning, it was a great reminder, uh, we talked about this idea that, that we think every age we're in is something new, right? This goes back two millennia. People feel pulled apart, even Christ's followers felt pulled apart. The way the early church always solved this was to introduce and reintroduce, reclaim, practices that drew us together. In the early church, this happens in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we see those early practices they take on. As they come from different places with different language and they're all baptized in the church, this is how the early church is described after Pentecost. Acts 2, verse 42, it says, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, I, teach, I have the privilege to teach a Bible study every Monday morning uh, with about 55 to 60 adults who can uh, be off on Mondays and we just walk through scripture together. Uh, we did Ecclesiastes in the fall. We're, we're going through the gospel of Mark uh, this winter and spring. And we use this verse in Acts 2.42 to shape our time together. I actually have a picture of our outline. We uh, pray together every time we gather. It shapes our time. We pray for one another, for the needs and the burdens that we share, for the celebrations that we share. We commit ourselves to prayers. We study the apostles' teaching. We study scripture together. We walk through it and, and dive into God's word. We fellowship together. Before I get there at 10 o'clock, many of them have been there for half an hour just talking and drinking coffee and laughing. It takes me longer often to bring them back to attention than it does during my time with children every Sunday. <laughs> they know that. They admit that. And it's totally fine. <laughs> and we break bread together. Now, in this case, that bread is hush puppies and barbecue, but we break bread together. And we share in meals together as part of our, our pattern. And I will tell you, every Monday when I look out, I am always reminded at how, how diverse that group is. People with different thoughts and opinions and, and different ways of seeing the world and seeing the church. And yet, every Monday morning, 55 to 60 people gather uh, together to pray, to read God's scripture, to fellowship, and to break bread because we are drawn closer to God in these patterns and these rhythms that we carry. For John Wesley, he introduced these for us as well. The early Methodist church, as you know, we are called Methodists for a reason. There was a method for everything. And for, we and for Wesley, uh, he also had these patterns, these things that he felt could draw us closer to God and to each other. He broke them into uh, two major themes and then individual and, and, and common themes. I'll pull them up for a minute, John, if you will. Uh, the first one he called works of piety. In works of piety, piety is just holiness. It's ways for us to become holy, to become more like uh, Jesus. And he said each individual, uh, when we want to draw towards holiness, should do these things. This is how we are drawn closer to God and then to each other. He says we need to read, meditate, and study the scriptures. 
pray, fast, and regularly attend worship, commit to healthy living, and sharing our faith with others. Together, he said, we should do it this way. These are the communal practices of works of piety. You the next slide, John. He says we should regularly share in the sacraments, a Christian comp- conferencing or accountability to each other uh, and a Bible study. And that's how we attend to the internal life. The external life he calls works of mercy. And the individual practices are doing good works, visiting the sick, visiting those in prison, uh, feeding the hungry, and giving generously to the needs of others. And then communally together as God's people, he says we are to seek justice, to end oppression and discrimination. So for instance, Wesley challenged Methodists to end slavery and addressing the needs of the poor. For, early, for the early church and for Wesley, often uh, the solution, the, the move that we make when we feel that we are being drawn apart is to these core traditions and disciplines that draw us closer to God, closer to each other, and closer to the world. That's the common purpose that Paul calls us to. To be of one mind is not always to think alike, but to act alike, to be alike. And to be alike means to, to be in scripture, to be in prayer, to be in service to our world. And in that common purpose, we find common direction and we strengthen our church. Our hope throughout this month of January, especially in this new year, is to and challenge us and invite us to reclaim many of those practices. The reason we publish a ministry directory is to give us space for that in the church. The reason we give you scripture cards every week is to create space for us to read and study scripture. The reason we create all these spaces is that we might, as a body, draw closer to God and to one another. And so what I'm going to challenge you to this morning is just to ask yourselves what you might need to reclaim in this new year. What are those disciplines? What are those practices? What are those places that God is calling you deeper, calling you closer to each other, and calling you to serve the world so that we might stand shoulder by shoulder in common purpose, not dressed in the colors of our favorite uh, school, but cloaked in the cross of Christ that leads us arm in arm to change, to be changed, and to change the world. I'm going to invite John for the next minute or so. John, if you would, to just put up those slides for about 10 seconds each and invite you into a moment of silence and reflection on what God might be inviting you to reclaim of this new year. Let us pray. Almighty God, for millennia, your church has wrestled and struggled with what it means to be connected together. For thousands of years, we have sought to find ways to stay linked in common purpose. And in that tension, when we turn away from your ways, Lord, you draw us to you your prophets, your teachers, your preachers, your 
And your leaders have, have constantly found ways to draw us into practices that, that lead us uh, into your grace, that create space for your Holy Spirit to fill us up, that help us to see our neighbors, not as other, but as part of your family. And it gives us ways by which we practice this gospel that you invite us into. So once again, Lord, this morning we ask you to give us the courage, to give us the eyes to see, the wisdom to seek, the the heart to pursue what it means to be your people. United together under the banner of your cross, the grace that you offer freely to all people so that we here in this place might live fully into welcoming all and loving all and serving all inviting and equipping all to follow Jesus and transforming the world. Lord, give us the courage to be that kind of people. Give us the courage to be that kind of church. In Christ's holy name, amen.